you'll be so glad that you did. Would you go with me this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew the 25th chapter, before we get started in the, in the Word this morning, make a couple of uh, statements and remarks. Uh, normally, uh, by this time, you, you would have already heard something about uh, the motorcycle ride, or you'd have already heard something about double honor uh, in May's normally when we've done that. I've just had a little bit of a check about those, and I'm not quite ready, so... Uh, We'll just put those off for the time being. Um, we we got a lot of things we're believing for right now. Uh, and uh, I want us to just keep our faith focused on this. And we're not spending extra money on extra things. We're doing good. We're not behind. But how many understand that's one way you keep from getting in trouble too is not doing extra things that you don't have to do and don't need to do. And so let's just keep our faith focused on what we're, we're believing for right now. And we'll let you know what the Lord directs. I'm, I'm, I've got some direction on some of this, and I want a little more clarity on it. But I want to do it His way. And if you're in the first service, you know what I mean by that. Uh, <coughs> um, Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew chapter 25 We've been talking for some weeks on the subject of faithfulness, and we want to continue this morning. In Matthew 25, if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, you don't have a Bible, hold up your hand. Our ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. Just hold up your hand, and the ushers will get one to you, and turn with us to Matthew 25. You know, talking about those previous things, there are just times and seasons in your life that you you need to be led, and there are times, uh, you know, maybe you'd want to go out and splurge on this or go out and spend this or do this, but you're just not there right now. It's not that season, but it's no need for you to get down and depressed because you're not doing it. Faith says, I'll do it twice as big later on, right? And, uh, you know, or I'll have three of them later, but right now... We're putting the kingdom first, and we're focusing on this, and uh, discipline yourself. It doesn't hurt to put your flesh under either, does it? Yeah, doesn't hurt you at all. Besides that, it does you good. Matthew 25, <laughs> Matthew 25, verse 14. Says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several or individual ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with them and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. How many know our Lord is going to reckon with us? 
There's coming a time we'll give an account of what, of what we did with the assets, the resources, the opportunities that he gave us. And if we'll handle them right now, we won't be dreading it then. Hmm? But it is possible to just while away your life, waste your opportunities, not utilize your assets for his things, but we're not going to do that. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. Glory to God. It's going to be wonderful on that day when we can look up and say, Lord, you know, you gave us a thousand dollars and a verse <laughs> and it turned into 20 million and 100,000 souls. Somebody say glory to God. Now, nobody could have done it on their own, but then the Lord wouldn't have had the opportunity to increase it if you hadn't took it and run with it, done what he told you to do. So uh, that's the kind of thing he's talking about here. Verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done. You good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now Luke's account says you're going to rule over ten cities. And you know, he tells us that we're going to rule and reign with him in his kingdom forever. And you know, down here in this life, People might not know our name or know who we are, but the Bible said it's going to be seen who the sons of God are. And they might treat us like ignorant folk and people that need religion as a crutch now and, you know, this and that. But, oh, there's coming a day when the sons of God are going to be made manifest and made known. And who's going to be in charge? It's going to be the people who were faithful with the small things here and now in this life. It's going to be people like you. If you are a faithful person. He said, well done, you good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a few, few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now you don't need to look wistfully at what somebody else has and says, well, if I had that, I could do something. If I had their money, if I had their resources, if I had that, yeah, but you don't. And you're not held accountable for what they have. You're only going to be accountable for what you have. And I understand, you know, the guy that was faithful with his two as the guy was with his five heard exactly the same words from the master because that's all he had access to. It's all he had opportunity to work with. But really, percentage-wise, he did just as good as the man that had the five that turned it into ten. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you that you are a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not strawed. Now, you can learn so much from this whole passage. Uh, 
listen to the tone of this man's voice. Listen to how he starts out. He knows he did wrong, doesn't he? By the way he starts out, he starts out making excuses. And, and what's his first excuse? He, he wants to blame it on the Lord, doesn't he? Oh, I, I knew how you are. Well, what is he talking about? You expect something. You expect something. You expect me to get up and hit it, get with the program. You expect me to make something out of nothing. Not really. He gives you. How many think God gives you the seed? He gives you the opportunity, but he's not going to do it all for you. You know, there's a prayer so many times that people pray that is just wrong. And it's this one. Help me. Lord, help me. <laughs> Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Well, you know, examine it. Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. You know, if you came over to my house, and I said, would you come over and help me move the piano? So you come over, and I'm laying on the couch with a glass of iced tea. And I said, would y'all help me move that piano? Or help me? Well, if you're going to help me, that means you assist me in doing what I'm doing. Well, if you're literally going to help me, you're going to have to come lay on the couch because that's what I'm doing. If I wanted you to move the piano, what should I have said? Not, not help me because I'm not planning on doing anything. Come do it for me. And people pray that all the time. Lord, help me with my finances. Lord, help me with my help me with this. Help me with this person. Help me with that. And what they mean is, do it for me. Do it for me. But no, he prospers what you put your hand to. Right? If he the, the Holy Ghost is called the helper. Capital H. Well, what does that mean? If he's helping you, that means you're doing something. And he's helping you in what you're doing. He's enabling you, anointing you. But how many understand that a million times zero is still zero? You got to give him something, at least one, to multiply. Something to work with, something to help. So when you say, Lord, help me, watch that you don't mean, Lord, do it for me. Give him something to work with. And so he said, I was afraid. And I went and hid my talent in the earth. And lo, here's what, you know, this is what you gave me, and I'm giving it back to you. And the Lord said, you wicked and slothful, you lazy servant. You knew I reaped where I sowed not. You knew I gathered where I have not strawed. You could have at least put my money to the exchangers that I would have at my come and receive my own with usury. See, he just didn't even try. He didn't do anything. And this is the picture of unfaithfulness. And he said, I was afraid. What was it that motivated him to not even step out, not even try? Fear of failure. Well, what's going to happen if you do nothing? That's failure. Right? People are so afraid they're going to fail that they do nothing that ensures failure. You know what you're going to get if you do nothing. There's a phrase in the world, nothing ventured. Nothing gained. 
You know, and you don't just want to step out to do just anything, but when you hear from the Lord, when He puts a talent in your hand, when He gives you an opportunity, when He gives you something, you need to have enough faith to step out and to go for it and to be as faithful you know, as you know, to do everything you know with what you have available. And how many have, can already testify that when you stepped out to do something, He blessed you, He prospered it, He increased it, He multiplied it, and you're going to get reward in time to come for everything you did like that in the kingdom of God. So uh, all of us want to hear, well done, you good and faithful servant on that day. But will you hear it if you've not been faithful? And people don't like to think about that. People like to imagine that we can just bump through our life and just do whatever suits us and not do what we don't want to, but all of us are going to hear, well done. Good and faithful. Well, no, if you're going to hear good, well done, good and faithful, it's because you actually were faithful. And if this is true and it's so important that in a few more days, nothing in this world and life is going to matter, it's only going to matter that we did what He told us to do and we accomplished what He sent us to accomplish, then we ought to be highly interested in being faithful and, and know what it means to be faithful and purpose in ourselves to be faithful. So uh, we, for the last several weeks, have been talking about what it means to be faithful, what is faithfulness, so we can make sure we are. And if you haven't been with us, you can get the materials back in the Word Supply. You can download them off the Internet, catch up with us. But we've been saying in a phrase, what is faithful? God is faithful. He's faithful. And we've mentioned three things already that portray His faithfulness. Number one, He's always there, isn't He? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age, the end of the world. How many would say, every time I ever needed him, he was there? Every time. He's always there. Well, what, if you're going to be faithful, then you've got to be where you're supposed to be. When you're supposed to be, you've got to be there. Now, another way of saying it, somebody that's never there can't be faithful. You've got to be there. Secondly, God is faithful. How can we tell? He cannot lie. He'll never lie to you, never deceive you, never lead you the wrong way. And a, the Bible said a faithful witness will not lie. And so you and I, if we're going to be faithful, we cannot tell a lie. And we, we went into great detail about it. How many lies can we afford to tell? Not even one. Because to, how, how many understand if God told us one lie, if he just lied to us one time, what would it do with everything in this book? It'd call everything in this book into question, right? If he ever told us one lie. Now, it'd be hard to find a man or woman in this room that has never told a lie. But that's the past. Let's get it under the blood and let's set our heart and our mind that today and tomorrow we will tell no lies. We either tell the truth or we say nothing. That's the only options we've got. Sometimes you hear people say, well, don't make me tell a lie now. I, I couldn't tell them the truth. I just couldn't. I had to lie to them. Acting like it's a choice. To a real child of God, lying is not an option. 
It's not a choice. Your only other option is to keep your mouth shut. Say nothing. Or say, I'd rather not say. I don't want to talk about it. But whatever you say is the truth, and you never try to deceive anybody. You can't be a liar and be a faithful person. The two are completely incompatible. And then thirdly, we talked about this. God is faithful. He is always the same. He never changes. And and if we're going to be faithful, we take on those qualities and characteristics. We're the same whether people are watching us or whether they're not. We're the same no matter who we're dealing with. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated. People that are different in different situations are unfaithful people. And people that do differently, whether they're being watched or whether they're not, whether they're being paid or whether they're not, these are unfaithful people. God is always the same. Faithful people are always the same, every situation. Well, let's go on today. We talked about those, and if you're interested in that, go back and get the materials. But let's go on today talking about faithfulness. Look in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Everybody happy? We're having church. We're in church. Saved. Got a Bible. You know, you could be somewhere breaking rocks, dodging bullets trying to scrap up enough food off the ground to make it through the day. Here you are, sitting up in here saved, blessed, climate controlled. Woo, glory to God. Most of you can just do whatever you want to the rest of the day. That was too weak. Maybe we'll catch you like Go look, I know some of you are going to sleep half the afternoon. Eat and goof off and, you know, We're blessed is what I'm saying. We're blessed. We're blessed. And we know where our blessings come from. We give all the glory to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, are you there? Let a man, verse 1, so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, another word for steward would be the word manager. And it has to do with, a, with managing someone else's things or affairs. And what, what is required, it's not optional, it's required in a good steward or manager that the person be faithful. Faithful. For the, the living Bible If y'all would put that up for us, please. Verse 2, the Living Bible says, Now the most important thing about a servant is what? That he or she does, does what? Does just what his master tells him to, and that's the way they described faithfulness. And of course, think about it. You know, in, in the art world, or other, you know, printing world or different things. People say, this is a faithful reproduction of this. What do they mean by that? It's an exact copy or duplicate. 
I mean, if you're going to change the colors or change this or change that, you can't call it a faithful uh, reproduction or faithful rendering. Faithful means what? Exactly the same. Exactly like. And so, in talking about uh, being faithful, he says he does just what his master tells him to. This aspect of faithfulness is so important. There's a lot of people that are that'll say they're willing to help. But when you get down to it, they want to help you their way. They want to help you the way they want to help you. And so many times, people, they just want you to turn things over to them. Uh, we've had any number of situations where people were just, you know, annoyed by Phyllis and me. I'm in the ministry before we got here and, and in the church a few times since then. People say, well, you know, if you're going to give it to me, give it to me and let me do it. I know this is just like the second service or so that we had. Some folks said, well, I, I want to do this. And I said, no. Well, can we do this? I said, no, I'm sorry, no. Well, what, at least you're going to let me do this. I said, no. <laughs> they said, well, we're going to leave. I said, sorry, but no. And so they left. So I says, well, you know, and, and listen to me. This is why so many things are so loose. In so many churches, because leaders are afraid. People will leave, or, or people will take their money with them, or whatever kind of thing, and so they become all accommodating. And people even put folks in positions that they shouldn't be in, right? Because they're big givers, because they're educated, because they're well-known, that kind of thing. And that is an abuse of your position. And what these people might not have known is the week before, the Lord had got a hold of me in a time of prayer. That's why I didn't blink an eye. I just said, no. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, he got a hold of me. I don't mean heard an audible voice, but he asked me a question. Uh, he said, Keith, if you're always giving in to people, if you're always giving in, who's leading this place? I said, well, I don't guess it'd be me. <laughs> he said, if I'd have wanted them to lead it, I could have put them as the leader. And he said, you go stand before me and give an account of how it went. And if you let somebody take it a wrong way, I'm holding you accountable. And so it's real simple. If, if, if we don't have the direction, we feel that's what the Lord said do, it doesn't matter if it's a needful thing or a good thing or you got it on your heart or they've got it on their heart. We need direction. Yes. We need to hear from Him and be led by Him, yes. not needs. And so many people don't have their own ministry and they want to use somebody else's. Y'all yes. are too quiet. <laughs> you know? And so many times people, I've had folk come to me and say, you know, I have it on my heart that you should do such and such. <laughs> or I, I have it on my heart that this really needs to be done. And I look at them and say, well, believe God and do it. <laughs> and they look at you like you slapped them. No, 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 I want you to, want you to, well, you're the one that's got it on your heart. 
Well, yeah, but I don't have the money. I'd have to believe for it too. <laughs> believe God and do it. No, folk don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. They, they want to tell you what to do. And sometimes people are, you know, well, well, why won't you do what I want you to do? Well, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want to do? <laughs> yeah, Phyllis said, I don't do what she wants me to do. <laughs> well, it's true. I know in a few days I'm going to be standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ. That's very real to me. And I won't be standing there with Phyllis. I won't be standing there with you. It'll be me and him. And I won't be able to say, well, yeah, but they wanted to do this. And yeah, but they wouldn't let me do this. And yeah, but none of it will hold water. He won't hear any of it. Hmm? And so how many understand what I'm talking about? Don't let other people lead you in your own life and things you're over. I mean, if you're going to make a mistake, make your own mistake. <laughs> Don't get judged for letting somebody else lead you the wrong way. But better yet, don't make the mistake. Be led by Him. Can you see what we're talking about this morning, friends? Uh, go with me to 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, please. 1 Samuel 15. Now, you can see this so clearly with Saul, who was the first king of Israel, chosen of God, anointed of God. But how many remember the story that he messed up? Saul messed up. Did he disqualify himself? Did he lose his place? It's, ter- it's a sad story. It really is. But how did he do it? What was involved that, that it resulted in him losing his call and his place? 1 Samuel 15, you know, Samuel told Saul that the Lord had given him a mission told him to go wipe out the Amalekites, and he meant everything. He was very clear with him, very plain with him about it. And so he went, and they won the battle, but they saved all the best stuff. I mean, they destroyed the junk, but they say, verse 9, Saul and the people spared Agag, they spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Now let's just stop right here. Is that what the Lord told them to do? So did they change what He told them to do? Tell me what's the most important thing about a servant? He does just what his master tells him to do. Beware of improvements. You know what I mean by that? We're going to improve on what they told us to do. Beware of surprises. Well, we're going to surprise them with this. (laughs) Beware. Beware. The Lord doesn't need people that impress the Lord by going above and beyond what He told them to do. He needs people that knows how to follow orders that'll do exactly what he tells you when he tells you, not add to it, not take from it. Well, Saul had a better idea. Now, now you've read this, but let's put ourselves in his place. He sees all this fine livestock. He thinks, well, it'd be a waste to destroy all this. This is worth money. 
and we can give it to the house of the Lord. Do you understand this is the voice of rebellion? And people are talking about giving it to the Lord and it's rebellion and blatant disobedience and stubbornness. Yeah, but look at all this good stuff. And I think it would encourage the people to see if let's bring that enemy king back in. Now, the underlying thing is he thought it'd glorify him to come in with a big procession and parading the king and all that lives. He's going to be the big man. He's going to play big shot. And he can dole out this livestock. And he can give big gifts. And it really don't cost him anything. He just took it. And he can give it all to him, And then he can make a big show and, and a big presentation. But when he got there, Samuel said, uh, Why didn't you obey the Lord? And down in verse 19, he said, When you did not, wherefore did you not obey the voice of the Lord? You did fly on the spoil. You did evil in the sight of the Lord. Saul said to Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone the way which the Lord sent me, and I've brought Agag the king of Amalek, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some spoil and sheep and oxen, chief of things that should have been destroyed, but to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Does the Lord have his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice or to give, and to hearken is better than the fat of many rams, many gifts. Is the Lord more interested in you giving big gifts and doing big things or in obeying? In obeying. He said, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you from being king. My, my. But now listen to the language, and, and don't just see Saul in here. See if you've ever acted like this, or anybody you know. What's he saying? Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? And what did Saul say? I did. I did. You know, I made a few adjustments and actually some improvements. But I did what he... No, you didn't do. Why did you think you had the freedom to take liberties and to make changes? This is the picture of unfaithfulness. And we live in a world that does not understand this. We live in a world that... Uh, you know, even in the business world, where people use the word micromanaging as, dis, as a despising term. And there are people, there are leaders that try to do every detail themselves and they hinder the growth of things and they get in the way. But a whole lot of people, if you don't just turn it over to them and let, it, let them do it their way, then they're going to call you a micromanager and they're going to, you know, despise it and go, well, now either let me do it and leave me alone and get out of my way or, or do it yourself. And what are they saying? Let me do it my way. Well, a good leader in God will not let you do it your way. Do you understand? Saul did it his way, didn't he? He did it, but he did it his way. And uh, as we've said before, that's one of hell's favorite theme songs. 
One of the devil's favorite theme songs, I did it my way. <laughs> I did, is, is that okay to do it your way? No, no. We want to do it his way, the Lord's way. Somebody say his way. His way. In 1 Samuel 2, we won't turn there, but in 1 Samuel 2, when Eli and his family had been unfaithful to God, and God said, I'm going to raise up a priest that will listen to me. He says it like this, 1 Samuel 2, 35. He said, I will raise me up a faithful high priest who shall do according to my heart and my soul. Easy to read says, I will choose a priest I can trust. This priest will listen to me and do what I want. I mean, you can also almost hear the annoyance of the Lord's voice, can't you? Why would he say that? Because he's those not doing what he wants. They're not doing, they're not listening to him. He said, I'm going to raise up somebody that will listen to me. And sure enough, Eli's whole family were removed from the priesthood. And Saul and his family were removed from being king, weren't they? I'm going to understand, this doing it your own way can get you disqualified from your place. See, a whole lot of people want to think, well... It's the bottom line that counts. Long as I get it done, what do you care how I do it? Well, God cares. I said he cares. And it's not just a matter of getting the job done. He's not just looking at what you're doing with your hands and your mind. He's looking at your heart. And I understand that is nothing short of rebellion. When you're saying, get out of here and leave me alone, and I'll do it just how it suits me. And long as it gets done... Get out! What do you care? Get out of my way. Well, no, that's defying the Lord. That's thumbing your nose at him. It's acting like you know better. The Bible said Moses was faithful in all his house. And you can see how he was faithful in carrying out the plans of God. You know the story that God gave him the job of, of giving the directions to the people how to build the tabernacle. All of the curtains, all of the uh, uh, sacrifices, the priest's clothes, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the laver where you wash the uh, uh, things and the, all the ordinances. How many know God was very specific? Very specific on everything. He gave him the pattern from heaven. And listen to the language the Bible uses concerning Moses. Numbers 12, 7 says, The servant Moses is faithful in all my house, God said. And you hear it in these scriptures. Why? Leviticus 8, 4, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Numbers 17, 11, Moses did so as the Lord commanded him, so he did. Numbers 20, 27, and Moses did as the Lord commanded. 27, 22, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. I just mentioned a few. If you go back and look in the scriptures, I mean, the Lord said, do this, do this, do this, do this. Next verse, Moses went and did exactly what the Lord said, and the Bible calls him faithful. The Lord said, do this, do this, dot this I, cross this T, make it out of gold, not silver, make this out of brass, make this X three feet long, not three and a half, make it like this. How many understand that Moses didn't come and have a better idea? Right. And the people didn't say, well, I think it'll work better if we'll make it out of aluminum. <laughs> of course, they didn't have that then, but uh, how many understand if God says this, you are not, to, I don't care what you think or how much experience you think you've got, faithfulness will do it just the way they were told. And how many know Moses messed up when he didn't? 
You got all this wonderful report, all of the tabernacle stuff, all of the priesthood stuff. God said, do it. Moses did it. Do it. He did it. He did it. He did it just like the Lord said, except one day he got all bent out of shape. He's mad because the people are bothering him. And the Lord told him to speak to the rock. But he started, he'd do it his way. Remember that? Well, you know, as long as water comes out. And he just felt like that would demonstrate better how he felt that day. So he hit it. And he hit it again. Did it cost him? Oh, man. It cost him. He forfeited getting to lead the people into the land himself. He forfeited things. Why? Does it matter whether you do it God's way or not? Oh, it does. God's still giving plans today. Isn't he? He's still giving us directions and plans and patterns. Should we follow them to the letter? Should we not feel free to change things? Anyway, should we not have better ideas? But we should follow him, believing that he's right and he knows best. Now, Jesus is the greatest example of this faithfulness. He always did it the Father's way. He said in John 5.30, he said, I seek not my own, but the will of the Father which has sent me. John 8.29, I really like this. John 8.29, he said, I do always those things that please him. How many believe the Lord every day of his life did exactly what the Father told him to do and exactly the way the Father told him to do it? Was there ever a time he wanted to do it a different way? Yeah, like towards the end when he's sweating blood and crying. And what did he say, Father, if there's any other way, all things are possible with you. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Does that mean he wanted to do it another way? Yeah, but what did he come back to? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Aren't you glad he did it the Lord, the Father's way? Well, that's called submission. I've had numerous times people tell me, well, Brother Keith, you know, I used to teach a class on submission at the Bible school, and, and people would come and say, I'm looking forward to that class. You know, Brother Keith, submission's always been easy for me. I've just never had any trouble with it. I know right away they don't have a clue what it is because submission is not easy. It wasn't easy for the Master. It's not easy for us. It's having to not get your way. It's having to submit what you want to something else, to something different. Oh, but does it pay when you'll do it? Does it show faithfulness when you'll do it? Absolutely. It's how you mature. It's how you develop. Go to Luke 16, please. Luke. Luke, the 16th chapter. Now, this whole passage here is the story of an unfaithful man, an unfaithful steward or manager. And let's see what Jesus said about it, what the Word says about it. Luke 16, Jesus said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, a manager, And that same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of you? 
Give an account of your stewardship. You may be no longer steward. If you're unfaithful with what you're given responsibility over, can you lose your place? Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? My Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. Maybe he was older. I don't know out of shape. To beg, I'm not ashamed. I am ashamed, too proud to beg. I'm resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one his Lord's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my Lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said, Here, take your bill. Gave him the paperwork. You sit down and change it to fifty. Then said he to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, here's your bill. Change it to eighty, four score. How many understand this is stealing? This is lying. He's a crook. He is the picture of unfaithfulness. Now, let's just stop right here. Is this his money that he's given away? No. And that's the thing. See, being a, a, a steward is you're responsible for someone else's things. Well, if it's their things, how should it be handled? Their way. Their way. But, oh, you, you'll just find this every day of the week. People that want to handle other folks' resources their way and the way that most benefits them. No, if it's not yours, you shouldn't do it your way. It's theirs. Handle it their way. Hmm? Thank you for those three amens. <laughs> uh, so, the uh, verse 8, The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. A lot of people have stumbled over that verse and tried to make it say all kind of things. I like what it says in the... Uh, the New Living Testament, if y'all can put that up, verse 8. New Living Testament, it says, The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than they are the children of light. You know he's not happy that this guy's given away all his money. But he said, You shrewd rascal, you're a cunning outfit. And, you, you know, he, he's trying to feather his nest on his way out. But look what Jesus said, verse 10. That's a picture of unfaithfulness. Jesus is teaching faithfulness. He said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, an somebody say another man's, it means it's not yours. I know Phyllis and I had the privilege of working with the Hagins. Brother Kenneth Hagin, Miss Aretha Hagin, that are both in heaven now for uh, 20 some years. Great privilege, great opportunity and honor. But the Lord helped us early on to realize that as a help and as we're, as we're giving responsibility over certain things, that's not our ministry in the sense of us being having the oversight of it. It's theirs. So it should be done how? Somebody said, well, I think it should be done the Lord's way. 
Well, they did too. I do too. The big question is, who gets to say what the Lord's way is? Well, who would be the most qualified to say what the Lord's way for a particular entity, church, ministry, operation is? Well, it would be the person or persons that God chose and anointed to oversee and lead that particular thing. It's not that they just as a human being are better than you, are necessarily more intelligent, or even know more scripture, or whatever. That wouldn't be what qualified them, or the fact that they are a man or a woman. The fact is that the anointing that God put on them, that's what qualifies for that person. How many understand that Moses and Aaron ran into that all the time? The people would murmur against them and say, who do you think you are? Who put you in charge? Do you know the answer to that question? God put them in charge. He's the one picked them on the backside of the desert and anointed them and sent them with miracles. He's the one put them in charge. And what they didn't realize, the Lord said, I hear your murmurings that you murmur against me. He took it personally when they talked against Moses and Aaron because he's the one put them there. And so uh, as, as leaders, we ought to have the commitment. We're not going to do it our way. We want to do it his way. But working in their ministry, we discovered that I know uh, one of the first times that Phyllis was over at their house, we were doing something over there, and, and they wanted her to uh, cut some tomatoes and slice some tomatoes. She said another time, a pineapple. But I remember Brother Hagin said, no, no, give me that tomato, slice it like this. Well, we're from Mississippi. <laughs> She's cut a bunch of tomatoes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, no telling how many thousands of tomatoes she has peeled and cut and put up. But is it time to go, now look, I know how to cut a tomato. Just get on out of here. You want me to cut the tomatoes, leave me alone and let me cut the tomatoes. That's rebellion, isn't it? That's you going to do it your way. Well, no, it's their tomatoes. It's their kitchen. It's their knife. We're helping them. How should the tomato be cut? Their way. But now here's another revelation. You can't cut it their way until you find out what their way of cutting tomato is. So even though you might be, you might have been a professional, professional tomato cutter for 25 years, you need to take the pupil position. You need to take a student position right now and say, I know, you know, maybe you wrote books on cutting tomatoes, but you don't know Brother Hagen's way of cutting a tomato. And that's the only one that counts today. Come on, can you see this, guys? Can you see this, friends? The Lord didn't send us to help them our way, but to help them their way. And if they said this is the way the Lord directed them to do us, well, they're the leaders. He's not going to tell us every detail. He doesn't need to. It's time for us to follow. And I thank God he helped us to do that for a number of years, and it was the greatest blessing and the greatest training. And some once in a while you'd scratch your head and go, wonder why they want to do it that way. But if you're smart, you'll just keep your mouth shut, right? And say, well, hey, it ain't mine. You know, it's their leadership, and so I'm going to do it the way they said, and you see, you'll find it pays off again and again, and that is faithfulness. How many want to hear, well done, well done, good and faithful servant? How many understand you're going to have to then not do it your way, you're going to have to do it His way in life, and when the Lord hooks you up with other people and tells you to help them, you're going to have to do it their way. Everybody stand on your feet, please.
Singers, musicians, would y'all come? Somebody say glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Close your eyes and uh, let me lead you in a prayer. Just close your eyes. Say it out loud, Father God, I thank you for being so good to me. You are completely faithful. I desire to be faithful like you, faithful to you. I repent wanting to do things my own way. I repent. For any stubbornness, rebellion with you or with people that you've joined me to or sent me to help, I repent and I ask you, enable me to perceive the truth, catch myself when I begin to yield to something wrong. And be faithful, faithful, faithful to do it your way and faithful to do it their way. Hallelujah. Just pray in the Spirit a little bit. Just lift up your voice. Thank you, Lord, for working in us to will and do of all your good pleasure. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.